before January 2020, I'm sure, um, th well, the, the, the definition of roller coaster was an amusement park attraction that consists of a light railroad track with many light, uh, many tight turns and steep slopes on which people ride in small, fast, open cars. Um, our family has gone on many different vacations before family vacations. And when the boys were really young and Zachary was uh, probably, well, I don't know, how, I can't remember how old, but he was pretty young. Uh, he was, uh, I wouldn't say forced. Uh, he wanted to go on a roller coaster. And so me being the dad said, sure, let's go on this. And so we did. And, and uh, after it was done, he got off that roller coaster and he proclaimed to the whole world that he hated it. And he didn't want to go on one of those again. So uh, uh, Zachary was not a fan of roller coasters at that, that age. Um, I don't know if it's changed any different at all these days. But, uh, um, you know, some of you are probably not a fan of roller coasters, especially since the beginning of 2020. Where, where the, the word roller coaster should now be defined as the year 2020 that contains or goes through wild and unpredictable changes. <laughs> this year has been very unpredictable at times in trying to figure out um, how to maneuver, how to journey through this year. And, uh, you know, that they may need to declare 2020 the year of the roller coaster, right? So however you describe uh, this year. It, is, it has had its share of ups and downs, and, and people uh, this year have experienced many ups and downs, many wild and unpredictable changes with, with work and school and social life and, and church and everyday life, which can lead to some, some, some real serious depression going on. Now, these months of COVID-19 have taken its toll on people. A recent Washington Post article reported that those who experienced a depressed mood have risen from 25% to 50% since COVID-19. So an increase in people who are in a depressed mood. The United States Census Bureau recently reported that a third of Americans show signs of clinical depression and anxiety. And these and other mental conditions are becoming amplified during this pandemic. And while COVID-19 patients and their families are also at high risk to develop depression and anxiety. And there are various factors related to COVID-19 um, that, uh, that uh, contribute to the increase in depression rates. And maybe some of these might sound familiar to you. They are uh, things like trauma from widespread disease, grief over loss, loss of life, fear of getting sick, uh, unprecedented physical distancing, financial concerns, including unemployment and housing insecurity, loss of community, and reduced access to caregivers. All these things contribute to the increase in depression rates. And with COVID-19 raging as it is, and people trying to deal with it, maneuver through this, um, the depression rates are increasing. It's, it's no wonder, basically. But loss of community, yes. Loss of community, especially within the church, right? And in general, twice as many women as men will experience depressive illness at least once. I mean, this disorder is so common that it's called the common cold of mental illness. So what do we do about the situation? How can we combat the common cold of mental illness in these days of COVID-19 when depression is, is on the rise? Now, I trust that after today's message, 
we'll realize that the following truth found in our scripture for today. When the roller coaster of life leads you towards depression, provoke yourself to seek God as your hope and help, no matter how despairing your circumstances are. So when you're in depression, provoke yourself to seek God as your hope and help, no matter how despairing your, your circumstances are. So it shouldn't surprise us or at all that the Bible has much to say about depression. And we could have a lengthy sermon series on the topic. But instead, I would like us to look at Psalm uh, 42 and 43. Now, I was going to look at just Psalm 43. Uh, but during my studies, I discovered that Psalm 42 is really connected with Psalm 43. And together... They give us uh, some solid counsel on the issue of depression and how to deal with it. So Psalm 42 is included with our scripture today. So if you have your thumb on Psalm 43, make sure you back up to Psalm 42 as well. So let's look at these, these songs of inspiration and see how the psalmist teaches us how to deal with depression in our lives. So look with me in Psalm 42 as well as Psalm 43, but start, starting with Psalm 42. For the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my, my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will, re I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. My day, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And in Psalm 43, vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will, I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, in some ancient Hebrew manuscripts, these two psalms are one single psalm, 
whether two psalms are one, the subject is obviously similar, and they are united with a common refrain found in verse 5 of Psalm 42 and verse 11, as well as verse 5 in Psalm 43. So there are many well-respected scholars think, that think that David was the author, in which the title, in which case the title of the sons of Korah indicates a group of Levites in charge of temple worship to whom he presented this psalm. Now, we can't say for sure who wrote it, but we do know that the the author found himself exiled from Israel and from the worship festivals of God's people. And he was being taunted by enemies who said, where is your God? And their oppression had plunged the psalmist into deep depression. But he doesn't stay depressed. He grabs himself by the shoulders, considers his situation, confronts his depression, and seeks God with a renewed intensity. When the roller coaster of life leads us towards depression, we need to provoke ourselves to seek God as our hope and help, no matter how despairing our circumstances are. And these these songs of, of inspiration, there are three steps for dealing with depression. Let me share those with you. First, when you're depressed, recognize it and begin to confront yourself as to why you're depressed. The first step to conquering depression is to admit it. And the psalmist readily admits both to himself and to God that he is in despair. The Hebrew verb means to be bowed down or prostrated. Uh, he, we might say feeling down or, or in the pits. If you don't recognize your emotional condition, either because you don't know the symptoms or you don't want to appear unspiritual or whatever, you can't deal with it. And there are various symptoms in various degrees that point to depression. Uh, note the psalmist's description of himself. He mentions his countenance. It's, it's downcast. Uh, a depressed person looks sad uh, he, he, or, or down in life. You can see it in, in, in that person's face. A loss of appetite and frequent crying are often uh, present as well. He describes his anguish as pouring out his soul. He, he felt emotionally uh, uh, drained. And he felt as if he were in the deep, being overwhelmed by the waves. Uh, Jonah <laughs> quoted this verse when he was inside the great fish as well, verse 7. But often depressed people feel overwhelmed by circumstances such as an extent that they are immobilized. They don't know how to cope. They don't know where to begin. They basically are just... Uh, uh, they are immobile. They, 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 they don't know where to go. They, they have trouble even knowing where to begin. So the enemy's relentless taunts felt like a shattering of the psalmist's bones um, in verse 10. And often physical symptoms such as headaches and digestive disorders and even chronic pain accompany severe depression. You, those who, who are in that type, have been in that type of situation, you understand that. You've had those symptoms before. And he repeatedly, the psalmist here, repeatedly describes himself as being in despair or hopeless and, and being disturbed in his soul, being anxious. Uh, so anxiety and hopelessness, really, they accompany depression. 
And the psalmist feels abandoned, even rejected by God. And he's confused by it as well, as he expresses that in verse 9 of Psalm 42 and verse 2 of Psalm 43. And feelings of guilt and rejection are common symptoms of depressed people. Included with those symptoms are often fatigue, a loss of motivation to do anything at all, difficulty in concentrating. There are sleep issues that are involved too, like insomnia. But also, too, excessive sleep. You just don't want to get out of bed. You want to stay there. And, of course, there are thoughts of suicide. And there are a number of causes of depression. Once you recognize the symptoms, you got to, you got to do as the psalmist does here and begin to confront yourself as to why you're depressed. Don't ignore the, the warning signs. You know, Depression is kind of like those red warning lights on the dashboard of your car. They tell you, that there's a problem under the hood. And if you keep driving and ignore the warning light, you could cause a lot of damage to your engine. So you better pull over and figure out what's wrong. Uh, in the same way, when depression happens, it's the warning light that's going on in your life. And you better pull over, figure out what's going on, what's wrong. And depression may, may be due to uh, physiological causes. We're complex creatures. Our emotions are not separate from our bodies. We're physical, we're emotional, we're spiritual. All those come together. But some people are more prone to depression due to their physical makeup. Uh, their hormones and their glands, glandular, uh, it all comes together in a way of, of bringing your physical makeup in, in line. And then you might be more susceptible to depression. Many women struggle with depression related to their monthly cycle or to having a baby and even also to the menopause. Certain changes in the aging process can make us prone to depression. As we continue on in life, different moments in life causes us to have a little more depression. Maybe we push too hard or have been under unusual stress, and we're just exhausted and need some rest and, and a change of pace, especially probably during these months of COVID. And if you're depressed, you should really get a medical checkup if you haven't had one for a while. See your doctor. Call, call your doctor up if you feel these symptoms and stuff going on. And, you know, depression can also hit when we come down from a spiritual enriching experience. We've gone to uh, a, a camp, or we've we've gone to a retreat, or or whatever the case might be, and then we are then um, prime for depression in that way. Maybe the excitement of the early days of our faith wears off, or is dulled by our trials. Uh, the psalmist here fondly recalls the earlier times when he enjoyed going to God's house in procession with other believers, as he says in verse four of Psalm forty-two. Maybe you've gotten depressed when you suffered a disappointment that you didn't process mentally before the Lord. You had hoped and prayed for something, but it didn't happen. If you don't consciously submit your disappointment to the Lord, you can end up feeling depressed, but not knowing exactly why until you think it through. So there might be moments like that. Maybe self-pity. Self-pity is another common cause of depression. And depression is a common reaction when we suffer a loss of any kind, especially the loss of a loved one through death. 
So they're, they're, depression can hit in many different ways and different forms. It's important to know yourself. If your depression is just a minor mood swing, like a pilot flying in, in minor turbulence in the, in the wind, you might, you might you just make a slight adjustment and don't get too concerned. But if you're in a nosedive, <laughs> you need to take some drastic action to avoid a crash. The psalmist is doing just that right here. He, he grabs himself by the shoulders, uh, talks to himself about what he knows to be true in spite of his feelings to the contrary, and eventually he pulls himself up out of it. It takes the psalmist a while to get on top of his, his depression. And if you notice, there are four cycles of, of what we would call lament and hope in these two psalms. Four cycles that he goes through finally as he brings himself to the realization of who God is and what he can do. So it may take you a few cycles of down and up and down and up before you pull out of your nosedive. But the crucial thing is that you are aggressively dealing with it and not just drifting with the circumstances. Even if you feel depressed, you are responsible to please the Lord by living in obedience to his word. And we need to be careful here because we live in a a feeling-oriented culture. We hear that feelings aren't right or wrong. They just are. So we need to get in touch with, with those feelings and accept our feelings. And if we confront our feelings or seek to conquer them by going against them, we're in denial. We are not living in reality. But we need to develop a biblical theology of emotions and weigh the world's counsel by Scripture. Many believers are defeated by depression and other negative emotions because they haven't looked for a biblical approach to dealing with these problems. The Bible says that we must discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Discipline, by definition, means going against my feelings. I may not feel like exercising, but if I'm disciplined, I do it anyway. I may feel like spending money impulsively, but if I'm disciplined, I go against my feelings because I have decided to live by a budget. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. While even the most mature believers are vulnerable to depression, like Elijah and and John the Baptist and even Peter, the Bible is clear that we should be marked by joy in the Lord, even in some of the most difficult circumstances. A consistently depressed Christian is a lousy advertisement for the Lord and his salvation. (laughs) As you go around and you're like, oh, I love the Lord. It's so great. And so we must confront our depression and bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit. When we think rightly and act rightly, our depression will be replaced by genuine joy in the Lord. So the first step when you're depressed is recognize it and begin to confront yourself as to the reasons why. Why am I depressed? Why am I so downcast, oh my soul? I need to get back on track. Remember who God is, what he can do. So recognize it and begin to confront yourself as to the reasons why. That's the first step. Then if your depression stems from overwhelming circumstances, 
then think biblically about those circumstances. That's the second step. If your depression stems from overwhelming circumstances, think biblically about those circumstances. You know, learning to respond biblically to trials is one of the most important lessons you can learn as a Christian. God has given us the resources to be overwhelming conquerors, even in the most desperate situations, including torture and martyrdom, as Romans chapter 8 talks about. But living by faith means choosing to believe God and his word rather than the circumstances that are around us. So we need to answer several questions when we are overwhelmed by circumstances, as the psalmist was overwhelmed as well. So one of the questions we need to ask ourselves, are my circumstances due to any known sin on my part? Is there some sin there that needs to be um, forgiven and repented of? In Psalm 32 and Psalm 38 and Psalm 51, David's depression was due to his sin. If we're aware of disobedience to the Lord, we need to confess it. We need to turn from it and then receive his cleansing and forgiveness. If we're not aware of any sin, then we need to be careful to continue walking in obedience before the Lord and not give in to the temptation to rage against God in our time of trial. There's a difference between complaining to the Lord in a submissive manner and shaking our fists in his face. Be careful. Be careful of that. But the psalmist here doesn't mention any sin on his part. He is confused and and he feels as if God has rejected him. And he tells God those feelings. But it's also clear that he had taken a stand by testifying to his enemies that the Lord was his God. They were throwing it back in his face, asking, where is your God? And this added to his despair, because he didn't want to bring criticism to the name of the Lord. So the psalmist wants to follow God's light and truth. In verse 3 of Psalm 43. He wasn't suffering due to sin. So another question you need to ask yourself then, does God want me to do anything to change my circumstances? Or am I shut up until he acts? So sometimes, you know, the Lord wants us to take steps to get out of our troubles. You know, write a resume or call for the job interview. If if you're in a situation, a job situation that's just horrible. The psalmist seemed to be shut up in his overwhelming circumstances. He had nowhere to go except to pray fervently. And if that's where you're at, then pray fervently. And as long as we have access to God in prayer, there's hope. God can change things drastically and quickly when he's ready. Just consider Joseph in in prison in Egypt. He was there for many years and and praying to God and praying to God for release. And then all of a sudden he is released. And by that evening, he's second in command in Egypt. So, you know, God is going to take care of you. He will drastically and quickly uh, change things when he's ready. Another question you need to ask yourself, if, if I can't change my circumstances, then how does God want me to change my attitude. If the circumstances can't change, how can my attitude change? The psalmist here is aggressive in confronting himself three times to deal with his despair so that he can regain a sense of God's presence. 
He can't change the circumstances, but he can change his focus from himself and his overwhelming situation to God. So he's it's from himself in those those situations around him, focusing from that to God. And by the end of the psalm, his circumstances haven't changed, but his attitude has, because he has deliberately focused on the Lord. And we are commanded in the Bible to rejoice in the Lord uh, when we feel like it, right? No, no, no. Philippians 4.4 4 doesn't say that. Yeah, maybe it might say uh, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Um, no, it doesn't say that either. It does say rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Um, the only way to obey that command sincerely is to change my attitude by changing my focus from self to God. And so Psalm uh, Philippians 4.4 4 then can be lived out where we rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what. Another question we should be asking ourselves in, in the midst of all this is, is God in, in sovereign control of this situation or not? And if so, if he is in, in control, what is he trying to teach me? So obviously, obviously God is sovereign, even over the evil and sinful things going on in this world. No one can hinder his purposes. But it's, it's easy to doubt. It's easy to forget the, that fact when you're overwhelmed by a trial. So you, so you have to affirm God's sovereignty in the midst of your trial. And the psalmist does that here when he calls uh, the waves that were crashing over him in verse 7. He calls them your breakers and your waves. It was evil men who were opposing him, but the psalmist knows that God has them on his leash, as it were, and that he has sent his trial for his purpose. Now, there are some Christians that might say that God didn't cause a trial. He just allowed it as if that uh, somehow gets God off the hook. <laughs> or they blame Satan for the trial, as if he sneaked up and did it when God was asleep. But the Bible is clear that trials come from the Lord for our behalf. Among all the portions of Scripture, just consider James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. But you may think, how can God be good and bring a catastrophe into the lives of his children? How can that be reconciled? Our problem is we underestimate the strength of our flesh. Uh, we are blind to the extent of our pride. Uh, we, under, we are unaware as to how much we really love this world. And so the Lord, in love, sends overwhelming trials to teach us not to trust in ourselves, but in him alone. That's what Paul explained to the Corinthian church when he experienced troubles and was under great pressure. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, that this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So those trials come from God to point us to God, to help us rely more upon him. That leads us then to the third step in dealing with depression. When you're depressed, your main need is to seek God himself, not just relief. 
when you're depressed, your main need is to seek God himself, not just relief. When we're in emotional pain, we should see it as an opportunity to seek God and grow in him, not just try for quick relief. Not just ask God, get rid of it. I don't want this. Get it out of here. I don't need this right now. Though the psalmist was in pain, he realized that his real need was God. In fact, he begins this psalm by recognizing that above all else, his need was for God and God alone. So the first thing you need to do is pray Oh God, my soul pants and thirsts for you, the living God. And so when seeking God, there are certain things we need to be seeking in God. We need to seek the person of God. The psalmist's thirst for God seems to grow in intensity and doesn't, doesn't decrease. Depression can either arouse or dull our thirst for God. It will either turn us away from God or, or bring him, bring us closer to him, wanting, us, wanting to thirst for him more. And God allows suffering to drive us closer in dependence upon him. So the need for the depressed person is reality with the living God. We are, we are to hope in him because he is our help. So seek the person of God. Uh, the, the psalmist knew. God personally before his trial hit. Note how he calls God. He says, my God, in verses 6 and 11 of Psalm 42, as well as verses 4 and 5 in in Psalm 43. He says, the God of my life, in in verse 8 of Psalm 42. He says, my rock, in verse 9 of Psalm 42. He says, my stronghold, in verse 2 of Psalm 43. And then in verse 4 of Psalm 43, he says, God, my joy, and my delight. (laughs) This tells us that the godly can feel depressed, but it also tells us that the time to prepare for crisis is before they hit. Get into the lifestyle of trusting God and, and preparing yourself in the way where you give over to God everything, that God is your God. The psalmist had spent time with God before and knew God as his God. As a result, he had a refuge and a familiar relationship to turn to in his time of despair. The time isn't the time to, to have God as your God isn't in the time of depression and trials and difficulties. Develop the lifestyle of submitting to God, of surrendering surrendering your life to God. So that when those trials hit, when those times come, you are already prepared and you you go into those already knowing that he is your God. So seek the person of God. Also, seek the presence of God. The psalmist wanted to appear before God in verse 2 of Psalm 42 to know the help of his presence in verse 5. And that sounds good on the surface, but when you think about it, to appear in the presence of God can be a terrifying thing, even to the godly. But if there is sin in your life, the light of God's presence shines on it and brings it into the open. So the only person who can truly desire the presence of God 
is the one who is willing to confess and forsake sin. God sometimes shows us our need for him by depriving us of the sense of his presence, the sense of his presence, and also the sense of his help, so that we will all the more seek him. His presence is still with us. We just might not sense it. And then the thirst for God when he is absent is a sure sign that we are his children. So we need to seek the presence of God. And then we need to seek the praise of God, as the psalmist as well did in uh, verse 8 of Psalm 42 and verse 4 of Psalm 43. When you're depressed, the last thing you probably feel like doing is praising the Lord. I can understand that. You've come to church, you're sitting there, and everyone's singing the praises of God through the songs and, and the worship time. And you're sitting there feeling like, nope, I can't do it. I I don't want to. I just don't want to praise God right now. And, you know, when you're depressed, that is the thing. The last thing you want to feel like doing is probably praising the Lord. But you know what? <laughs> Praise is a command, not a feeling. Praise is a command, not a feeling. If we obey, we often feel better. The song drives the darkness away. And to praise God is to focus on his attributes and actions. It's not not to focus on, on us and our problems. It's to focus on God, focus on his attributes, who he is, what he has done. As we deliberately direct our thoughts to God's saving grace toward us in Christ, thinking about his merciful love to us, our spirits will be lifted. So we need to seek the praise of God. We also, too, need to seek the precepts of God. It's, an, it's another word as far as for his word, his, his, his rules, his principles. God's Light and truth from his word will show us the way back. Again, even if you don't feel like it when you're, you're depressed, you need to read God's word and ask his Holy Spirit to shine his light into your darkened heart. Do it anyway. Open up God's word. Start reading. Get into those verses. God's light and truth are threatening to the soul who doesn't want to confront his own sin and self-focus. If you don't want to go there, It will be a threat to you, but God's truth will lead you to his dwelling place where you will find God himself to be your joy and to be your delight. So we need to seek after God's word, seek the precepts of God. And then uh, one other thing that we need to seek is seek God with the people of God. Now, I know these days that is difficult, but not impossible. Sure, the church is closed. We have no way of coming together because uh, the governor won't let us. The laws won't let us. But you know what? We can still come together in other ways. You know, the psalmist seems isolated in his depression, which is often the case. But he realizes that the place of joy where the need of his soul would would be met is in corporate worship with God's people. When you're depressed, You often want to avoid people, don't you? Especially gathering with God's people. But that's what you need. Go against your feelings. 
Force yourself to gather with God's people to seek him. There is something about corporate worship that cannot be experienced in individual worship. I understand these days it's a little different. We don't have the gathering that we used to have in this facility. But you don't need this facility to do so. Invite others in your family to come join in and worship God in the singing of his praises during these times of of online service. Come and worship God together with someone else. If you know how to play uh, an instrument, if you can play the guitar or piano or or do those things and percussion and drums, come together and worship God that way. You might have to wear a mask, and that's just fine, but uh, social distance yourself. But still, there's something about coming together in a corporate time of worship. When we have that opportunity to do that, when we can get into, Clackamas County can get into phase two, let's not forsake coming together then. Let's do what we can to be together. Now, I understand those who might be at risk, please stay home. Don't risk yourselves coming here uh, once we reopen the church. If, if if you are at risk to the virus. But if you're not at risk to the virus, and you're feeling the depression coming on you, get together. Let's get together as we reopen this church. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, he's an author of the book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cure. He says this, he says in his book, he says these things, have you not realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. The main art, he continues on, he says, the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil and and the whole world and say with this man, with this psalmist, say, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, who is also the health of my countenance and my God. (laughs) So is God himself your joy and your delight? Is he your joy and your delight today? If not, don't rest until it's true. Don't rest until it's true. Your need is not happiness. 
Your need is not relief from your pain. Your need is God and God alone. Thirst after him. Thirst after God. Provoke yourself to seek him as your only source of hope and help. No matter how despairing your circumstances are, go after him. Put your hope in God. You shall praise him again, your Savior and your God. Brianna and Maddie are going to share one one more song. That could kind of be our prayer as well. I trust that it could be. And if you feel that way, make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. But let the song minister to your heart, inspiring you to place your life in God's hands. So listen to the girls as they sing this song.
Thank you, girls, for sharing that song. Uh, excellent, excellent song to be our prayer, basically. God coming to our rescue and for us to lay all we are, who we are, um, on, on upon God. Allow him to be our God. <laughs> well, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, reminding us that when we go through depression and situations like that, Lord, that we would rely upon you, we would look towards you, we would be reminded of who you are and what you can do. That if our circumstances can't change, we can certainly change our attitudes through it by focusing upon who you are and what you can do. Lord, help that person today that might be going through those tough times and slipping into, into de depression. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your hand upon him or her, and, and let that person know that you are a God that can be trusted. Now, all they need to do is put their trust in you. Lord, for some who are here today, they might not know you even as Savior. And I pray, Jesus, that you would re remind them that all it takes is a prayer for them to submit to you, um, giving over to, to you their sins, because, Lord, you died. For their sins, recognizing that they are a sinner and that you are the only way to salvation. And I pray, Lord, that uh, if there's anyone here that, that is listening today, needs to hear that message and receive you as Savior, I pray that they would, they would come to you in prayer and do just that. And I pray also too, Lord, that if there are those of us who have uh, strayed away from uh, the Christian faith, and we, we've, we've gone through so many difficulties, and there's just no need to come back. Lord, help, help them realize that you're a God that, that can be trusted, that you're a God that calls their name, that you're a God that can lift them up, that you can provide for their needs. But also, too, not only that, you, just, you are a God that is loving, that can care for us. And so I pray, Lord, that if there's someone who has strayed away from the faith, that they would come back and realize their need for you and see that you are God, that is, uh, that is God that can be trusted in, the, in these situations. Lord, help us all to put our trust in you. Help us all to uh, um, focus on your attributes, who you are and what you have done, 
So, Lord, as we go through these days of COVID-19, that we don't slip into that depression, but that we uh, are reminded of who you are and what you can do in our lives. And our focus is upon you and not our problems. (laughs) Lord, thank you for how you can um, lift our spirits and you can remind us that uh, you want the best for us and in your time and in your way. So I pray, Lord, for each person that's listening and watching today, uh, Lord, help them put their trust in you and 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 give their whole life over to you, as the song said uh, with Brianna and Maddie leading that song. Help that be our prayer today as well. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God.